0: Curated by Future Forum, this is part three of the 20 Minute City Podcast. A little longer than 20 minutes, a conversation with some interesting people at the intersection between their sense of well-being and the city we live in. Welcome to season two. I'm Dino Vrignos, Creative Director of Future Forum, architect and director of Das Studio. Over this eight-part series, we're going to introduce you to some inspiring young people charting a course forward here in South Australia and beyond. The movers and shakers, the innovators and disruptors, the elite performers and the unicorn makers—they will share their story, their trials, tribulations, and triumphs—and we'll have a bit of fun on the way to it. Hi, I'm Luca Parry, CEO and founder of the Learning Future. From a young age, Luca understood the power of education and has gone on to forge a career where supporting lifelong learning has become his calling. Luca's insatiable appetite for travel placed him in unfamiliar environments and allowed him to be shaped by the world. The learnings collected along the way have formed an ethos that he now imparts on educators around the globe. And with that, let's get started. Where we must, at the beginning. Our 20 minutes starts now. Okay, Luca, thanks for being part of Season 2, 20-Minute City. Uh, and with these discussions, we start where we must, and that's to understand the origin story. And so what makes Luca Parry, Luca Parry?
1: Thanks, Dino. You know, one of the really powerful understandings that I heard recently is this idea that we are our ancestors' wildest dreams. And so when I reflect on my life so far and kind of my own journey, it's so It's so interwoven with the journey of my family Both my parents were born overseas Uh, My Ayan Papu They came from northern Greece with my mum Dad was actually born in London Of Welsh parents But I was born in New South Wales In Nowra Dad was in the Navy you know, cruising around on ships and mum was on the Navy base. So that's why I was born uh, out there near Jarvis Bay. And when I was two years old, dad's whole family was here, mum's family was here as well. So uh, we came to Adelaide. And so I grew up in in Westbourne Park in the, in the inner south. So kind of a really local and really supportive family environment. Education was incredibly important to me as a young child. I remember my AR in particular, you know, all I needed to do was get a certificate of participation. And it was on the wall and it was celebrated. I was almost thrown up and down in the air. You know, it was this amazing environment. And it took me quite a while to work this out. But it's because my Yale was, frankly, functionally illiterate. And so was my Papua. You know, um, even in Greek, my Yale went to school for two years in primary school. She loved it so much. And then she had to go and work back on the farm. So, yeah, I kind of grew up with this sense of education is an opportunity. And you have to dive into it. So I consider myself a pretty standard Aussie you know, bloke, then I didn't really think much more about um, what contribution I wanted to make to the world or what I wanted to do for work, etc. There was a few key moments that I remember being in year 11 and my mum came and got me and said, look, there's some terrible news, Papu's had a heart attack. And so we drove all the way down to Aldinga Beach where their farm was. And I, I remember having this really profound moment of you know seeing my Papu, someone that had just loved me so unconditionally for 16 years but you know like really had this profound experience that I've I'm no longer able to connect with his story and I didn't speak Greek then and his English was very broken and so yeah it kind of opened something in me a deep curiosity to well actually what is my family's story and see that was a really profound moment I mean I kind of realized that I'm actually a a Greek Welsh Australian you know so I started to you know, think of myself as not just one thing. Uh the other thing that really contributed to that was when I was 18, um, I've graduated high school and my family moved to Northern Wales. Um, dad's a psychiatrist, a child psychiatrist, so he went and worked in the NHS. For me, it was perfect timing. I go from Adelaide as this kind of artsy musical theater, athletic, kind of deep generalist aspirant, to, you know, living in North County Dublin where all my mates were skinheads. <laughs> and um L- felt it felt real rough to me growing up in Westbourne Park, and one of the first things I was said uh, was told by by one of my friends was, and forgive the accent, all Irish people, but you know, you know yourself, Luca. If you don't go down to Barbara and shave your head, we're going to take your eyebrows off you. And I thought, oh my god, is this is this legitimate? Like, what's going on? So. I mean, these are really formative experiences for anybody. And particularly as a young man then, you know, I really left with a pretty Adelaide-centric view of the world. You know, a trip to the Adelaide Hills seemed like a long way from, you know, the inner city. So, you know, living in Dublin and realizing actually, you know, my education had set me up in an incredible way with a lot of open doors. And so the big question for me then was, well, how do I want to contribute to the world? What do I want to do? And so I spent some time traveling across cities and countries and, learning from different cultures and I just saw time and time again that education was this key leveller. It was this, this thing that opened the, the suite of possibility for people regardless of where they've come from. So I returned back after a year and a half of that kind of you know, European exploring and decided to do education. So I changed out of a, a Bachelor of Commerce into a Bachelor of Education and Arts at Flinders and spent the next four years learning my ancestral language of modern Greek so I could communicate with my AR. And learn those stories it was a wonderful expansive experience for me at at university i was also obsessed with travel so i was either working saving for travel or traveling and so after four years i graduated you know having studied a range of different very diverse subjects and i actually chose to go to the apy lands in the far northwest of south australia 15 hours away from home was where the community was as opposed to a 15-minute trip. And that's because when I was traveling around the world, you know, saying I'm an Australian and I, I realized I didn't have any real connection with First Nation histories and certainly not even First Nation peoples. I felt it was my duty, frankly, to understand that now as someone that calls this part of the world my home. You know, Ghana Yarta, you know, here in Adelaide or in Australia itself with the, you know, 300 different language groups um, that have, that, were here in 1770 so yeah i went out to teach uh, my first class was a middle school class of 22 young people and it's funny to think back to those first days and gee i really didn't have much of an idea what i was doing Tina, i was enthusiastic i'll give myself that so yeah i spent five and a half years uh, in a place called mimily and i was incredibly fortunate because i had wonderful mentors there the school leader was just an inspiration she equipped me. I grew my leadership skills. Uh, I started to learn the local languages of Pijin and Yang And yeah, so I just remember realizing the importance of relationships, the distinction between schooling, education and learning. You know, what I might want to teach may not be what is cared about in terms of learning. So all these things were really obvious in a context like that. I, I discovered what it's like to be white. I understood that I have a sense of whiteness that for me was completely invisible and still is in much of society. So how am I going to use my privilege actually to create a better, more equal society where people are enabled and empowered to live the life they want to live? Uh, That became more and more my focus. You know, and I also understood that it's as much about remembering as it is about invention. It's like what makes us truly human? How do we show up as our best self as often as possible? So after five and a half years, I was the principal for two years of that. I had great relationships in the community and I was keen to try to serve. And I learned a lot about what it's like to be a young leader. And so after that, I, I took some study leave, went over to Harvard, did some work over there, went to a whole bunch of you know, global conferences and then came back and worked in policy. And what I realized is at that point in my life it was too far from the field. I wanted to be in the trenches, you know, at the coalface, working alongside learners and educators and, and principals. And so I actually jumped over to Melbourne and joined a startup called Education Changemakers. I was their first hire and I had no real sense of what it means to be an entrepreneur or the private sector. You know, I'd worked in public sector education for six years. One of my favorite memories was actually uh, we put in a proposal with Microsoft Education and my the CEO at the time said, oh, look, how good is your Spanish? I'm like, oh, well, I can speak fairly well. I did three years. I lived in Chile for seven months. And he's like, okay, great. And the next thing you know, I'm in Mexico City about to run a week of of leadership-orientated workshops in fluent Spanish, <laughs> except it wasn't all that fluent at the time. So, I mean, that was probably the most nervous I've been in, in recent professional memory, you know, trying to listen to Spanish music for the week, you know, if I try to socialize my world into it. It really was a fantastic platform to understand, okay, what what is the unique contribution that I can make? And after four years, frankly, I burnt out from that. 120 flights a year, trying to manage a relationship between Adelaide and Melbourne. It was really hard. And... Again, some some tough lessons, I would say there. In the end, I quit the job. Um, I broke up with my partner. We, we separated. And then I flew overseas, just took a one-way flight, really. And then I effectively was nomadic for the next year and a half. I didn't have a plan except, you know, take some time to explore. And I did. And increasingly, people just started to ask me to do things. <laughs> and anything that was aligned to my passion, I said yes to. And so from that, you know, this idea of the learning future kind of grew and founded that company here in Adelaide in 2019. And the idea there is in a world where our biggest asset is our capacity to learn in organizations, in schools, and universities, throughout the lifespan, you know, how do we unlearn and relearn? And how do we think about learning as, you know, the economy of learning, like it being the fabric of the human experience. Uh, And so design all of our institutions in a way where they are multidimensional, where they are taking on the latest findings from the science of learning, et cetera. Now, I'm a typical millennial with a portfolio life, much like you, Dino. You know, I co-founded a nonprofit that's based in Austria. And so, you know, I work on that quite hard. That's a global alliance for social, emotional learning and life skills. And we connect, you know, leaders of, of large organisations into governmental spaces, all of whom are trying to make significant changes across the world in, in their networks. Uh, I work in a thing called Learning Creates Australia. We're trying to reframe and reimagine how we understand and recognise learning, you know, moving from this idea of a grammar of schooling to a language of learning. Um, I get to do some great work here in Adelaide with Green Adelaide, um, which is, you know, a government board that is trying to support Adelaide to become greener, cooler, wilder and climate resilient, uh, you know, and think about that in an ecological way.
0: We're going to take a breather and we'll be right back with the rest of our chat with Luca.
1: In all we do, we strive for better. Better processes, better relationships. Better outcomes. We challenge convention and refuse to accept the way it is as the way it should be. We are generous with our time and with each other because we believe that giving is better than taking. And what do we do? Well, we are makers.
0: Makers of spaces.
1: Makers of solutions.
0: Makers of joy.
1: Making a difference to make every day better.
0: At Dust Studio, we make better. So, we've heard Luca's story and now we're going to chat a bit more about lifelong learning and our obsession with the arrival fallacy. So, what's quite unique about your story is that your location is a big part of your journey and it sounds like you've actually deliberately removed yourself from the comfort of Adelaide a number of times across your career as you evolve and learn who you are.
1: Do you think that Adelaide will always be part of your story. Adelaide for me represents who I am and I wouldn't be the person I am without it. I I see it absolutely in my future. There is something about and I've often reflected on this when you f- there's something like flying back from somewhere to this place and just realizing that you're standing on a corner and you can see your 18-year-old self that was standing on the same corner. I find it quite profound when you you return to the same place and you realize it's you that has changed. And that's not to say Adelaide isn't transforming because it is around us, Dino. It's really fantastic to see. I, I'm really interested. I don't think Adelaide, we don't take ourselves seriously enough. And we, we kind of just shrug our shoulders and go, oh, great, well, I'll meet you on, on Rundle. You know, like this is really significant what's going on. And I think we just have the right size. We have the right platforms. We've got the right ecosystem in place. We've got an innovation agenda. You know, we've got the future form that's rolling along. I, I mean, there's, there's some really exciting ideas happening here. And so I think COVID has taught us something about, you know, rather than you have to go elsewhere, you can do things from wherever you choose to be. You can live a global lifestyle as I have been doing from Adelaide. I suppose I'd like to understand if you think there's a a
0: secret source of sorts in terms of how you've got to be where you are, whether or not it was around you always or you had to sort of create it yourself. And for your learning, it feels like you have to experience the world and have some perspective to everything so
1: that's very true i mean i was pretty relentless about learning to be honest with you you know i spent 10 years at university doing undergrad two master's degrees applied linguistics education you know i've traveled to every continent except the white one you know like that's been my kind of world and i think the secret source for me is that i found that passion follows activity it doesn't precede it you just don't know what you don't know yet so my approach has been experiment as much as possible and from that i think it's a, it's a journey back to self, right? So it's a self-awareness journey. I think the secret source, Dino, and I've realized this and I would encourage every listener to do the same, which is there's only one of me. So the question is, what makes me unique? You know, rather than trying, I think we've spent so much of our lives and I was doing this definitely, you know, when I was in the entrepreneurship space, the consulting world, you know, I was trying to be someone else. I wasn't trying to be me. And so my journey has been, how do I just show up as me in every interaction? And... If I do that, then you just trust that that things and possibilities will emerge. You know, the synchronicities that we see in life then become collaborations. And I think the fact that we're talking on this podcast is just one of those moments. How, how important do you
0: see Adelaide being your sort of home base for the activities that you have on the horizon?
1: What I've discovered is that this is always going to be home. And there might be periods of time where I, I go somewhere and, I don't know, explore something quite specific – For me, that's always temporary. There is no interim approach. Is also some way that I try to live my life. Rather than thinking, oh, this is just, this is a holding pattern. what, What I've discovered is I just end up waiting to live my life. I think all of us do. It's the arrival fallacy, right? When we arrive, then we'll be happy. Or when we have enough, then we'll be enough, right? So yeah, Adelaide, I think is just part of who I am. And so there's no other place in the world where I feel the way that I do here. And so that's something I want to continue to listen to.
0: And you've chosen to catch up at Love On here at Mile End in the inner western suburbs. I'm sure you've got lots of great spots around LA that you enjoy. Of course you've touched on ordinga and the, the family farm and sort of suburbia life at Westbourne Park. But yeah, i would be interesting to understand why you picked this
1: spot in particular. It's so funny, this this really represents me choosing to work from Adelaide I have to say I think this I think the croquettes the love on croquettes are might be the best breakfast in Adelaide I know it's controversial but maybe in the world I've been around a little bit uh, something about love on because it's this is actually nested in a suburb you know and this you see the the planes come and go as well but you know this is me choosing to be home but also choosing to connect beyond just the geography I think and it's just a really great place I think it summarizes like the staff here are just really human and friendly again and that's what makes us great in Adelaide is how approachable and kind we are
0: and so your journey hasn't obviously been linear no one's really is what have been the main sort of moments in your development in terms of professionally and just as a human where you really reflect back and think like that was a really pivotal moment
1: Mm. Yeah, that's such a a great question. That's a great question. I can really point them out because I spend time reflecting. For me, it was my papu dying and me realizing, okay, actually I've got European heritage. You know, I wasn't really conscious of that. Living in Europe and then coming back and choosing to change from commerce to education was another. Choosing to go to the bush, to the outback, to Anangu country uh, and choosing to stay for a period of time. And again, just I learned such a huge amount, not just about the art and craft and science of learning but about who I am in the world Um, just a profound experience it's like the butterfly effect we make us something that seems small and insignificant to us I think could be it's a spark of a new possibility Um, I'm choosing to be exactly where I want to be which actually is in Aldinga Beach it's a beautiful part of the world and I try to stay open to possibility I think that's really critical for all of us you know a closed mind it's not how we make the world better. It's not how we create new products and services. It's not how we enable an innovation agenda for us to improve on the, the great work that's come before. So yeah, who knows what that next moment might be.
0: I had a similar experience that I didn't really properly embrace my heritage until I had a moment like that with my, with my grandfather passing and actually diving into the history of my family. And for some weird reason, while, while they were around, I didn't make enough time to properly understand that. After that period of time, my way of connecting with my grandmother, my E.R. as well, was actually through cooking. So I didn't I knew enough I knew enough Greek to be able to have brief conversations, but there's something I enjoyed doing which was cooking and getting to share in that process with her was a pretty special thing. I'd be interested to understand how important those family connections are in I guess your overall well being story and just generally your well being and how you manage yourself. How how important has that been in your journey to date?
1: It's such a great reflection, Dino I often feel that we're also obsessed with self-actualization. It's about who am I, what do I want to do in the world? And maybe what we need is self-transcendence. It's not who am I, it's who are we. So how do we move from this me to we. And I think that's why social connection and family matters so much. I think, you know, what's the point of, you know, there's this great, this great, great saying which is, it's great to have a destination to journey towards. And it's pretty great to have a good journey to get there. But it actually, it's all about the company that are on that journey. And I just want to honor all the people that have played an enormous role in my life because I'm not a person I am today unless I've had their love and support.
0: And with that in mind, is there anything that you think, on reflection, you would have done differently or are you completely at peace with the decisions you've made today?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a great question, Dino. Part of me like loves possibility. And that also means going back into the past and playing out scenarios. And again, the more that I do that, the more I take away from my ability to make an impact in the world. I think it's for all of us, right? We all kind of think about that thing that was embarrassing. And, you know, sometimes I used to like, you get that shock in your body. Sometimes it's like, oh, I shouldn't have. That was, that, was a, that was a bad moment. Or I really shouldn't have done that. You can't live a life of regrets. True liberation only exists in the present moment. So if I'm stuck in the past too long, we should understand it, visit the past, And as a futurist, right? Yes, visit the future as well. Prospection, you know, forecasting, foresight. You know, where might we be going? What are the possibilities? And then powerfully return to the present moment and act. And there's been times where absolutely I've got stuck in a regret. Like there are things I regret all the time, (laughs) mate. So many. And then, of course, what I do is I let that go. Because if we hold on to it, it becomes an unconscious decision-making narrative, which means actually I've let my agency go to a former self that I want to return to and there's no going backwards there's only powerfully going forwards
0: and that learning if you told that to your younger self how much of an impact do you think that might
1: have had on your life? you know I probably would have done things in a similar way and I would have enjoyed it even more because I would have thought and this is perhaps this is my view of the world at some kind of spiritual level or purpose level is I would have realised I'm enough already just like each of us are, right? So, forgive the arrival fallacy, like, oh, when I get to 100 countries, then I will be dotted up. Nothing will happen. You know, <laughs> nothing will to just be me. It's like when I turn 18, then the world, you know, really it's just enjoy the moment. It's very Alan Watts. So, I probably would have done things and I would have done them more joyfully and even more powerfully and certainly being very mindful of how beautiful the world can be if we make it so.
0: I always feel so very zen after our conversations, Luca, but I'd like to understand what your big idea is. I know we've talked about it a bit, but I'd really love everyone else to understand what your big idea is mm. for everyone.
1: My big idea is how do we move from this historical conception of what a school needs to be or what a company needs to be or what a job needs to be and really transform that into what you know the idea of a learning ecosystem where all these institutions actually link together. Like we create things, we have a learning economy in place. We have education passports, for example, that actually have a suite of skills. We become as adept at unlearning as we do as learning because it's the unlearning that enables us to pick up the new. You know, it's clear that if we look into the future, we're all going to need to continually change jobs and learn for the rest of our lives. And that's not depressing. It's inspiring. It's exciting. But it means us letting go of our former selves. You know, we innovate or we evaporate. As the saying goes, so how do we innovate ourselves? How do we continually grow into the future? So I think Adelaide is ideally placed to become a learning city. So how do we connect all of the schools, the three sectors here, and actually think about from a a human perspective, create a human-centered journey. So you have a young person that's treated as a, a whole human being throughout their whole education, which of course doesn't end after they graduate high school or university or in the vocational sector or in the workforce. It just goes forever. Creating the new jobs, looking, you know, going down to the really amazing innovation ecosystems that are already, you know, emerging here and being really excited about those possibilities. I think that's that's the great opportunity that we can seize.
0: It's always an absolute treat to chat to you, Luca. Thank you so much for sharing your story and spending some time with me.
1: Dino, the pleasure is mine. Let's keep up the great work. Thanks to Luca for sharing his story
0: and taking us through his city. If you'd like to find out more about Luca and the business he leads, you can do that at thelearningfuture.com.au. 20 Minute City is a podcast series created by Future Forum in collaboration with Dash Studio and CityMag. If 20 minutes isn't enough, head to future-forum.com.au for more from the people who make Adelaide better. In our next instalment, we chat with Carmen Garcia, Managing Director of Community Corporate. The challenge for every entrepreneur, including myself, was getting comfortable with asking for help and
1: outsourcing my weaknesses. You know, no one's good at everything. It took me a long time to hand over the financial reins to the accountants, but we got there and knowing that there are amazing people that have got skills in areas that I don't have and building that ecosystem um, is what I think makes Adelaide so successful.
0: Just like that, our time is up. 20 Minute City has been produced on Ghana Country.